And now, the BC Food and Wine Radio Network presents Anthony Gizmondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, British Columbia, and welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gizmondi. Casey Wilson's on assignment, uh, working on a special project this week. Uh, it is a special time of the year with Super Bowl this Sunday, and uh, week Sunday it's Valentine's Day, so we're going to have some thoughts about celebrating safely at home on the show today, so stick around for that. Uh, we want to give a special shout-out before we start to Vancouver Island this week. We've got the island covered with two great signals, CFAX 1070 uh, for Victoria and surrounding regions, and the BNN Bloomberg 1410 for points north from Cowichan Valley, where all that wine is made, all the way through to Nanaimo, Parksville, Qualicum Beach, right up to Campbell River. So thank you all for listening on the island. Speaking of that, uh, we can't wait to get back on the road, and as soon as uh, Dr. Bonnie gives us the green light, which we hope is going to be sooner than later, uh, we're going to be on the road again and to get as many of the regions as possible in this year. Normally by this time we're already rolling. Uh, but when it's safe to travel, you're going to find us at Enrico Winery in the Cowichan Valley in Church and State in Victoria. That's already all a go as soon as we can uh, book in those dates. We'll be heading to Clota Soleil in the Similkamine Valley. Hester Creek uh, will be our home in Oliver on the Golden Mile Bench, and that's just to start. So we look forward to that on the show in the coming uh, weeks or perhaps months as uh, we <laughs> battle through the end of this pandemic, hopefully the end of it. Now, today, we've got plenty of ideas for Valentine's Day celebrations, uh, and we've got some traveling to do. Uh, a little over 13,000 kilometers today, we'll be heading from B.C., from Vancouver, to New Zealand, and we'll speak with Julian Grounds. He's the chief winemaker at uh, Craggy Range in the heart of New Zealand's Hawke's Bay. Julian is an amazing young man with a huge job. Uh, when you hear him, you'll know why he's in charge. Uh, we'll also have a fun conversation with Lisa Baxter-Burke from Brasserie Provisions in Penticton, providing house-made delicious meals and a wide variety of gourmet essentials that you can take home or you can have them uh, delivered directly to you. Also on the show today, uh, we're heading to Ontario to some cooler weather. Uh, it's got us thinking about ice wine, and we want to catch up with someone who knows a lot about ice wine from east to west. Inniskill and winemaker Bruce Nicholson will join us to talk about ice wine and uh, how it's made and uh, how it's going, whether there will be ice wine this year in both Ontario and B.C. All that coming up next on the B.C. Food and Wine Radio Network. There's more to come. This is the B.C. Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. British Columbia's wine growing history dates back generations, and today it's one of the more prominent regions on the worldwide wine stage. With Save On Foods, you can find the world's largest collection in one place. With more than 1,500 wines from over 180 BC VQA wineries, the unique tastes of our province have never been more convenient. Wines of British Columbia at Save On Foods. Browse the entire collection now at saveonfoods.com and discover all the different wines our province has to offer. Join the Black Hills Estate Winery Wine Club to experience the perks of membership. With front-of-the-line access to new releases, exclusive limited production wines, and VIP experiences both virtual and in-person, you will always stay connected. Plus, wine club members have access to the Vineyard Guest House overlooking the beautiful valley. 
To find out more, follow us on Facebook and Instagram or visit us at blackhillswinery.com. Blow away the February blues and take a break at Tinhorn Creek. The tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress-relieving escape. Join the Crush Club and get VIP treatment, including early access to new releases and more. To keep up to date with their winter wine tastings and special estate-only promotions, stay tuned to their Instagram feed. Plus, the Mirador Restaurant will be reopening March 1st with a delicious new spring menu. Locals can start planning their visits now. For details and reservations, visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. Uh, Casey Wilson's on assignment this week. Uh, joining us now, uh, as we promoted earlier, is Julian Grounds. He's the chief winemaker for Craggy Range. Uh, he was appointed that chief winemaker back in uh, 2019, so he's only been there a couple of years, but he brings over 10 years of winemaking experience uh, to that winery, including a senior winemaker job at Giant Steps, a very famous winery in the Yarra Valley, and of course he was also a winemaker at McHenry Honan in the Margaret River, and before that, well, much more that we'll talk about. Julian, how are you today? Uh, I'm great, Tony, and, and thanks so much for, for having me. Uh, well, it's always exciting to talk to somebody on the other side of the uh, the equator where uh, they, uh, it must be uh, almost fall there, or is it uh, you're coming up to fall? Yeah, we're, we're kind of in the throes of the later part of summer, uh, and it has been a nice, warm, dry summer. So we're, we're effectively actually about three weeks away from beginning our harvest period, which the, with the beginning of picking some Chardonnay, actually, in the Hawke's Bay area. Well, just before we get to that, I, I guess I should ask about the pandemic since New Zealand and everybody holds them up as the, the place to be. How has it been there and what, 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 do you, what can you tell us about what's happening right now, if anything? Yeah, I mean, it's, as you mentioned, it's, uh, we feel very fortunate and, and a lot of it comes with the, um, you know, the, what we've been such a nice way to part of the world. But, um, you know, we, we look to all our friends over in your part of the world and, and wishing you all the best. But uh, it has actually been... Um, quite a normal life here for the last kind of six uh, to eight months, albeit with, um, with the obvious uh, kind of hesitations and risk. But um, I'd have to say at the moment, um, it is, it is a, a, an element of um, weird normality to life here. Uh, well, Julian, we're, I'm excited to talk to you today. I want to talk a bit about Craggy Range, but before I get to that, uh, you've had a sort of, even though you're a young guy, you've had a good run in the wine business already uh, and you have some amazing uh, skills that I that I had a chance to just when I met you last time. I thought this guy really is focused on uh, making wine. And I noticed that you 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 have a saying that great wines are great stories. Has that been uh, part of what's focused you on trying to reach for the the stars when it comes to making wine? Yeah, it has been. And, and I suppose, like you mentioned, um, I, I, was, I got started quite early. I was kind of seventeen when I started working in the industry and. Uh, you know, growing up in the southern part of Western Australia, I ended up studying and working at, uh, in Margaret River. And it was my first job was actually at Lewin Estate, so famous Chardonnay producer over there. And I suppose it was that wow. indoctrination of quality and, and um, you know, with that whole thing that set me up knowing what, what is required to achieve um, what I hope to make great wines. And I think it's just been a, yeah. a mantra and a focus that's, that's kind of led to the decisions I've made uh, along the way. 
Yeah, what I like about, you know, of course, for our listeners, Lewin's very uh, famous for Chardonnay, and they, they sent you off, or you had an opportunity to go off to France. Uh, you didn't actually go to uh, where other people have gone, to the to the Cote d'Or in Burgundy, but rather a little further uh, down in the Mâconnet, uh, and you just, I think you just learned a lot about Chardonnay there that, that helped you maybe today, the way that you make wine. What what was it about the French that, that you took away from that experience? Yeah, it was it was interesting because you touched on it wasn't the Cote d'Or, and I ended up in a village uh, um, of Fousset, so making Cruy Fousset Chardonnay. And I, I think it was it was a really worldly experience there. It's like kind of real France, in quotation marks, without the, I suppose, the fame and the glam that's associated with the Cote d'Or. So I, I would be picking in the morning and then going through to the winery, you know, doing these kind of 18-hour days that would go the whole uh, the whole gamut of the process and, and i think that i learned a lot about uh an, an alternate way of doing things um i had a quite a technocratic uh, upbringing through university and then a, a quite disciplined and i think i was very fortunate enough uh training at lewin and and it opened my world to uh the the possibilities of um alternate techniques or or also the the importance of aspect because pui frisay was so varied in it um, the aspect down there and I think I started to to yeah. really question and and ask questions and, and believe that there was more than one way to do things and I I, I suppose I believe it was the start of me um, hopefully defining my own style and beliefs. Uh, you also came over to to America you ended up in Oregon at Ponzi Vineyards too I guess to discover uh, the Pinot Noir story there among others uh, was that a good experience as well? Oh yeah and I can't talk highly enough about the family and, and working closely with Louisa for a couple of vintages who were fortunate enough to, talk, to call a really close friend. I actually had her son come and work for me last harvest. But uh, I, I was obsessed with the idea of making Pinot from about 18 and, and Western Australia is not the ideal climate for Pinot And so, you know, it led me to Oregon and, and I, um, there it was, you know, everything was booming in terms of the the dynamicism of what was achievable. And, and I think that's where I just saw uh, the opportunity involved with um, with so much uh, research going to clones and style and everyone having their house style and, and also just a great part of the world. It was really um, formative for me and um, I, I can't wait to get back there, to be honest. <laughs> Our guest is Julian Grounds. He's the chief winemaker at Craggy Range in Hawke's Bay. Well, Julian, you, you ended up at Craggy Range uh, I know they searched the world for winemakers and uh, from from quite a large list got down and selected you. Uh, I, I didn't know you at the time, and I was quite shocked that they would pick such a young winemaker until the moment I met you, and I thought, oh, my God, they've got the right guy already, and he hasn't even started. So I I, I want to ask you a bit about the, the Peabody family and how, they, how you melded with them. What did you say to them to get this job? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, first of all, thank you very much. And, um, yeah, it wouldn't be the first person to uh, to wonder, um, you know, where the baby face came from at Craggy Range. But, uh, you know, we had really honest discussions about what they were looking for and, and also looking for someone that would provide a, the next kind of long-term vision. And I was at that age uh, in my life where I really wanted to um, to define something for me. And, and I always wanted to be associated with world-class producers and, and obviously craggy uh, in an Australasian context, but also a world context, so highly regarded. Uh, when, I, when they reached out to me, I just um, it was a really humbling experience. But I, I think it's that opportunity for someone like me that's um, really chomping at the bit to, to grow with a business 
Um, but also for Craggy Range, you know, they've been around now for 20 years and now getting that period of uh, established vine age, they're really looking for someone to, to kind of start on the next generation of Craggy Range and, and I suppose solidifying the quality of wines, but also um, innovating and looking to the future. Uh, I know it's a bit of a, a tightrope walk. I mean, you go in there, you you want to do your thing. There's a style that's there. You have to sort of carry that on. But uh, I, I guess that helps because they have some crazy thousand-year plan. Did, did, did that take you by surprise when you learned about that? Yeah, and and when and when you articulate that to people, so you know, basically the the business has been placed in a trust for a thousand years, which means that no change of ownership, and and people are really surprised, and it's a very forward-thinking vision but I suppose we looked at uh, places like you know I looked at it when we were talking to them about those places throughout Europe who have had that many generations of winemakers and uh, it's a humbling experience to know that you're going to be a small cog in a very large uh, wheel but also it gives you um, the trust that you need and, and you touched on it knowing that uh, it's the long game and anything you make is is going to have meaningful um change towards the future of, or, or as opposed to it being you know what will the future hold uh so yeah i was yeah. really excited by it and i and i think that um it gives us really certainty and i hope that when i'm older or, or maybe when i'm uh, you know six feet under that people look back and they look for the record books and say oh yeah that that, that was that julian grounds guy who made wine you know for, for however long it was <laughs> and that and that and that's and hopefully it's a long time but that's that feels amazing to think about in itself well, let's talk a little bit about New Zealand and Craggy. I want to start with cool climate. You know, this word's thrown around the wine industry, but as someone from Canada, I always laugh about what some people call cool climate. Do you have a definition of it, and do you think New Zealand is the cool climate place? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a buzzword, isn't it? Uh, Tony, like, I, I agree with you. It does get thrown around a lot. And uh, I, I think that, um, you know, the, for me, the definition of cool climate is, it, it operates in that kind of narrow bandwidth of varieties that um, need to, to mature to their ultimate quality level in a cooler climate. And we, and we throw the, you know, Sauvignon and Pinot Noir and that kind of discussion. But also not, you know, looking at the effects of climate change, um, New Zealand is this very small landmass bobbing around in the ocean down there. So we're, we're very susceptible to a, a variety of cool weather systems. And so for us, it's that kind of uh, phenomenon where, where most of the people in the world at the moment are very worried about acceleratedly heat summers and how do we put a um, brakes on things to make sure that we retain freshness. New Zealand is still, you know, we still have those vintages year on year where we have no problem with freshness and natural acidity. We're just hoping to achieve ripeness. And for me, that's the mm. definition of cool climate. You know, when you're not waiting, you're not hoping that you're going to have any acidity left at the end. It's making sure that you can hold out for ripeness. And I hope that makes sense to yeah. listeners. And I think that personification of freshness in New Zealand wines is inherent. Well, I'll tell you what doesn't make sense. If I'm from Bordeaux and I'm talking to Julian Grounds and he says to me, well, we make Sauvignon and Pinot Noir, but we also make Syrah and we have a big Bordeaux blend. Uh, that must freak out a lot of people. But uh, I, I, I'm amazed that the rest of the world hasn't really ever pursued that. What, how hard is it to make such different wines in the same facility, uh, in the same, more or less the same region? Uh, yeah, so, so definitely the same facility. The, the vineyards themselves, so our Pinot Noir and our, uh, and our Sauvignon Blanc come from close to, to Wellington, the New Zealand's capital in the region we call Martinborough. The region called Martinborough, mm. sorry. The Bordeaux varietals and Syrah come from the Hawke's Bay, where, where our winery is based. 
And for those of you um, who have seen the images, it's basically these alluvial riverbeds. So we call it the gimlet gravels, and it is really these, you know, these amazing stones, very young soils, but they it's that refraction of heat back up through the canopy, but also very free draining and remarkably sunny in the region of Hawke's Bay. So I say cool climate. It's definitely cool, but we don't get uh, we don't get much rainfall. So it's all that kind of phenomenon that makes sure that we, we stimulate root growth. Um, we have very low crops. We're all high density at, at Craggy Range. And I think that ultimately what happens is we get this real beautiful savoury note in our wines that is not seen often, and I find, in the, in the New World versions of Syrah and Bordeaux blends. Well, I don't want to run out of time. We're talking to Julian uh, Grounds. He's the chief winemaker at Craggy Range. Julian, we have in our marketplace in over 65 stores the 2019 Craggy Range Sauvignon Blanc, which I would just say off the top of my mind isn't like very many other Sauvignon Blancs made in New Zealand. What can you tell us about this wine and why we might want to go out and grab a bottle and try it? Yeah, so, so uh, primarily um, people would notice that you said Tamuna and Martinborough, not Marlborough. So very different to the wines from Marlborough. The uh, Martinborough is across the strait mm-hmm. on the North Island. But I, I think the thing for me is it's got a real salivating nature, beautiful, pristine and pure fruit as opposed to being, you know, overt tropical fruit. And I, I, the, also the hallmark for me is it's a very beautiful wine with food. So um, complimentary, we, we really do look to making it um, to be, uh, to, you know, drunk um, and accompany food rather than be drunk beforehand. And effectively, I make that not not dissimilar to how people would make house champagne. So I have it's all off the one vineyard. It's all crazy range grapes, and I make thirty different Sauvignons to make that wine. And we make sure we select some grapes for the acid line, some for the phenolics, and some for the fruit purity. So it is a wine that's crafted with intent, and uh, there is some barrel mm. fermentation for added complexity. So I'm hoping that when people have that wine, they notice the the purity and the beautiful nature of it, and not kind of overt fruit um, that kind of smacks them in the face. Julian, uh, well, the wine is delicious. Uh, we love the wine, and uh, we, we really enjoyed talking to you today and getting a little insight into Craggy Range. Uh, it's been a while since we met, but I hope that we can get together either there or in Vancouver sooner than later because, uh, after all, the best stories in wine, I think, are told in person. Yeah, couldn't agree more, Anthony. For those who aren't aware, I mean, I was actually headed there as part of New Zealand Wine Growers uh, last June, so it seems... Um, it seems a ways away now, doesn't it? But um, I, you know, I think we all we all operate in that beautiful network of of wine, and um, like you said, I, I think we have to go out for sushi again, Anthony. Thanks so much, Julian. Uh, real pleasure to chat with you, and uh, good luck with the upcoming harvest. And uh, maybe we'll get together sooner than later. Okay, great. Thanks so much, guys. It was great to talk. Super. Uh, that was Julian Grounds. He's the chief winemaker at Craggy Range Winery in Hawke's Bay. A uh, fantastic guy. If you haven't tried this wine, check it out in BCLDB stores. It's in 65 stores around the province at 2849. Great wine for Valentine's Day, actually. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gizmondi. Casey's away this week. We'll take a short break, but don't go away. We'll be right back with Lisa Baxter-Burke from Brasserie Provisions. There's more to come. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Watermark Beach Resort in Asoyuz is taking some time to refresh and renew for the upcoming season. Renovations are underway at the restaurant, but takeout is still available seven days a week. 
Book now for spring and summer travel to avoid disappointment and discover the South Okanagan good life at the Okanagan Resort that defines easy living. Visit watermarkbeachresort.com for full details and keep up to date on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Upper Bench of BC's Similkameen Valley, a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. Here, nestled in a sun-laden stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clos de Soleil Winery. Clos de Soleil blends age-old Bordeaux varieties and a unique Similkameen minerality for wines that are elegant, age-worthy, distinctively terroir-driven. Visit them by appointment or purchase their wines online at clodesoleil.ca with free shipping offered to all BC and Alberta customers on orders of six bottles or more. Location, location, location. If you've made up your mind to finally take that big step and move to the beautiful Okanagan, keep in mind that you don't have to do it alone. The right real estate agent can make all the difference. Let Sean Everest of Remax Kelowna be your trusted advisor as you embark on this exciting new chapter. I'm Sean Everest. I raised my family here and you can too. Visit seaneverest.com and let me help you on your move. And welcome to the Okanagan. I'm sure you're going to love it. It's true. Something great did come out of 2020. Mount Boucherie Estate Winery invites you to join the Boucherie Wine Club and experience first access to their fabulous spring releases, including the previously sold-out Rosé, Riesling, and Mount Bubbles. And that's not all. With your new Wine Club membership, enjoy complimentary tastings, exclusive access to events, and the best seats in the house at the Modest Butcher Kitchen. For more details and to sign up online, visit mtboucherie.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. All right. Hey, we're back, British Columbia. I'm Tony Gismondi. Casey Wilson on assignment this week. Uh, Joining us now is Lisa Baxter-Burke, co-owner of the uh, number one rated uh, Penticton restaurant, or I guess was the number one rated Penticton restaurant, Front Street Brasserie, but they've made a brilliant pivot in 2020 uh, to something now known as Brasserie Provisions. Lisa and John are uh, proud to share the Brasserie experience with food enthusiasts throughout the Okanagan Valley, providing really delicious uh, house-made meals, as well as a wide variety of gourmet essentials, and you can take home or have them uh, delivered directly to you. All of that information, of course, available at BrasserieProvisions.com. We caught up with Lisa Besterberg's before the holidays, and here's that conversation. Lisa, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be back. Nice to talk to you both. And uh, number one number in one. Penticton. <laughs> number one restaurant in Penticton. Amazing. Oh. Congratulations on that. Thank you very much. You know, we are so grateful to all of our uh, guests who have taken the time to um, say nice things about us in social media and on TripAdvisor and on Google. Um, it's, it's just such a thrill every time we see um, our customers say nice things, so we really do appreciate that. Not to mention how much fun Lisa Baxter-Burke is. <laughs> I try. I try. It's really easy when you're working at a great place with great people and you have so many amazing people that come in and enjoy uh, what we do every day, for sure. And not many people get to go out on the top, but you've sort of done that. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. uh, Tell us about the new incarnation. Yeah, so what we've done is we've sort of pivoted to um, a new... 
a new name, a new business, a new business model. So we have come uh, Brasserie Provisions. So what uh, Brasserie Provisions is, is basically an online store where you can buy all of uh, your essentials for the everyday gourmet. You can buy amazing um, provisions on the site. Um, But our main part of our business is um, our home meal deliveries. So we do twice a week heat and eat um, delivery service. So John comes up with a brand new menu every for every Tuesday and every Friday, um, and we deliver to your door uh, along with cooking instructions as to how to reheat the, his amazing food. And um, that's been the bulk of our business. As I understand that John's doing videos of the food preparation. He is. Anytime we have something that's a little bit complicated to do, um, we do a little video series. Basically, it's like a mini cooking show. So uh, we've done duck confit in the past, which of course was one of our signature dishes at the Brasserie. So we wanted people to be able to experience that at home. So it is a little bit more complicated than just putting something in the oven and waiting for it to reheat. So we did a video series um, with him showing people exactly what to do with the duck confit, what kind of pan you need, what kind of utensils you need, um, where to put the uh, pan in the oven, what it should look like, what it should sound like. So people really were um, able to have that brasserie experience at home. Lisa, you're uh, you're always uh, well known for your wine selection. So I'm thinking about the champagne dinner. You're you're mm. suggesting uh, Piper Heidsick Brut. We uh, sure are, yes. To match it now, uh, and I love that. And if you had to pick, if you if you wanted to do two and have something from the Okanagan up against it, what would be your pick to go to, to try champagne versus what from the Okanagan? Do you think? You know, I always enjoy the Sipes Brut, always delicious with um, any sort of um, seafood preparation for sure. Um, yeah. The bubbly from um, Sumac, super delicious, um, really an unbelievable little um, bubble. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, it's, there's just so many good ones to choose from, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I would really say any nice, dry, Chardonnay-based bubble from the Okanagan is going to knock your socks off. Yeah, I'm a bit crazy about the Kitsch Blanc de Blanc now. Oh. I really like that. And Lightning Rock, too. Over oh, in the sh- oh, Lightning Rock is showing so beautifully. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I'm on the provisions. Uh, by the way, yes. we're speaking with uh, Lisa Baxter Burke and her husband, Chef John Burke, who cooks the food. Uh, we're on uh, brasserieprovisions.com, and I'm looking at the products from. A to Z. You have quite a lineup. Uh, so people can order individual products. You also have, let's talk about the gift certificates. Perfect for this time of the year. How does that work? Absolutely. So you can just go online, order gift certificates, and we will either pop them in the mail with a card to your end recipient, or we'll deliver them um, the next day to your home, and you can uh, deliver them to uh, the recipient yourself. Well, Lisa, I, I'm just staring at this Brasserie Putanesca pasta sauce, Casey. Uh, it's a whole tub of it. Uh, I'm in. Uh, I don't know if you need my address or whatever, but uh, uh, but but let's talk a bit about your uh, your gift boxes too, because the the price is crazy. And uh, what would I find in some of these gift boxes? Oh, thank you. Yeah, they've been very popular over the holiday season for sure. So our platinum gift box has been a great corporate gift here. Um, includes two bottles of wine, a bubbly and a red or a white, um, beautiful shortbreads, um, unbelievable uh, pasta that we get from a fabulous supplier um, out of Italy. Um, we have three different kinds of jams and jellies. Um, we have some beautiful um, 
uh, extra virgin olive oil, we have a lemon oil, and we have um, some beautiful balsamics in there as well. So it's a really, wow. uh, it, it covers everything that you're going to need for your for your pantry essentials. And of course, there's some delicious wine in there for you to enjoy as well. And I love the basket. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah they're really pretty. They are very different. Thank you. Yeah, we wanted to, you know what, we wanted something that would uh, be able to be useful in your home as well after you take all the goodies out. Yes. Well, uh, Lisa, I'm, I'm I'm not surprised that you're successful at all, but I I, I just love the way that you've managed to turn this around and, and get this going, and uh, it just it looks it looks so right for the valley and so classy. I I think you're onto something big here. You you, you better get some more help. <laughs> We need a few more people. John should, could certainly use a few more hands in the kitchen. I'll tell you that right now. Are, are you are you delivering on your bicycle around town, or what, what, what are you doing? How are you doing that? You know, we've uh, we've transformed my vehicle into a delivery vehicle. So um, when you order your food and you click delivery on the website, you get to see my smiling face. Well, you're going to assume that it's smiling because I'm wearing a mask, of course. But um, uh, my smiling face ringing your your doorbell with your delicious food. Wow. So yeah. uh, you, you say people should join your customer list. Uh, how, they email uh, connect at brasseryprovisions.com. Do you send them out something now? or? That's right. So what we do is we just sort of give people the heads up as to when um, the meals are available for ordering on the website. So they get a couple of emails a week just saying, go ahead and order now. Um, but then we also put together a newsletter with what's new, what's happening, um, new things that are going on, like our New Year's Eve menu. Uh, we'll put something out shortly for Valentine's Day. So we just want to keep people in the loop so that they don't miss out right. on anything great. And uh, everything's limited, folks. So just because you get a notice that it's coming up doesn't mean they're making 10,000 of them. You really have to actually order them before they sell out, I think. That's right. We're still, you know, very boutique in what we do. Our kitchen hasn't gotten, um, you know, 10 times larger just because we had a pandemic. In fact, it's still pretty tiny back there. So um, everything we do is handmade, hand-created, and uh, our supplies definitely are limited, you bet. We have nothing like this in Vancouver. I, no. I I want to move up there. I loved. <laughs> I've always loved your restaurant, yeah. and and this is just a real bonus. Oh, thank you. We're really excited about uh, being able to offer this for sure. Super. That was Lisa Baxter Burke from Brasserie Provisions. Freshly house made meals every Tuesday and Friday, brought directly to your home, or you can pick them up at the Brasserie. Uh, the next offering is, uh, well, it started yesterday, Thursday, February 4th. Next Sunday's Valentine's Day, so get your orders in early. I've noticed each day sells out super early, so check it out at BrasserieProvisions.com. And we'll post all of this information on our social media network. You're listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're heading to Ontario to talk about ice wine. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Valentine's Day. This year, it's simple. No big production, just a cozy evening at home. From fresh ingredients to flowers, chocolates, and the bottle for the table, Savon Foods has everything to make it special. With more than 40 sparkling wines on sale for Valentine's Day, you can pick up everything in one place. Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Browse the entire collection now at SaveOnFoods.com and have a very happy Valentine's Day. 
Red Rooster Winery invites you on a sensory journey from grape to glass. Savor the sweeping vineyard, lake, and mountain views from their cozy estate tasting room on Naramata Bench. This month, they're featuring their award-winning and estate-grown reserve Malbec, the perfect bold red to complement any occasion. Seated tastings are offered Thursday through Monday from 11 till 5 this winter. Come for the views, stay for the wine. Visit redroosterwinery.com for more info. If you're a wine lover and you're ready for something new, try a little long-distance therapy. It's the wine club four out of four wine lovers would probably agree on. With 15% off therapy wine, discounted shipping, 20% off regular seasonal rates at the Inn at Therapy Vineyards, access to exclusive library wines, and more. Click therapyvineyards.com and choose your tier and frequency of delivery and sit back and wait as some of the Okanagan's finest is delivered direct to your door. Sign up today at therapyvineyards.com. In the heart of the Okanagan's Golden Mile Bench, the Kalmana Family Estate Wine Shop is open for wine sales every Monday to Saturday from 11 to 3 with COVID-safe tastings Fridays and Saturdays. For those wishing to shop online, Kalmana is offering complimentary shipping for online orders of six bottles or more through the end of February. Kalmana Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. For tasting reservations and more, visit kalmana.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Well, we're back, British Columbia. I'm Tony Gismondi. Casey Wilson is on assignment this week. Uh, joining us now from uh, Chile, Ontario, is Bruce Nicholson. He's the chief winemaker at Inniskillen Wines. Bruce, how are you today? I'm doing very well, Anthony. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you. I, I know a lot of people in BC uh, remember you as a winemaker here at Jackson Triggs for a number of years. We've just been discussing. Uh, you've been in almost 15 years back in Ontario now, and yeah, 35 I, overall in the business. Right? Yeah, time goes <laughs> time goes quickly for sure. Yeah, I miss I miss <laughs> my friends uh, out out west. That's for sure. I you know I talk to them fairly regularly, but uh, when things clear up, I'd like to get out there again. Well, we thought it'd be a good time to catch up to you. Uh, one, because you're at the the iconic producer of ice wine in Canada, and two, because it's finally getting cold. What can you tell us about the ice wine season in Ontario? Uh, uh, I understand that it's getting cold. Well, you know what? It was just this weekend here. Uh, we had a very mild uh, January, uh, but on the weekend here, it uh, got the temperatures that we were looking for, and uh, it was a smaller crop, but we were able to uh, harvest everything on uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, and uh, we, we finished pressing, so uh, it looks wow. good. Sm- smaller volumes yeah. than I was, expect- it was expected, but uh, it's nice to, nice to get it off the vines in, in, the winer- in the winery. You know, everybody, you know, our growers and all the whole team, you know, they kind of get antsy and kind of wait till that, uh, those yeah. grapes get in. They get tired of fighting the birds. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know they do. They do win because uh, to a point. But uh, yeah, they you have to net the, the net the grapes, or they will take everything. Yeah, that, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, I know you're connected with the West too. What can you tell us about NBC at the moment? Uh, you've been talking to them about how they're proceeding and whether they will make any ice wine or not. Well, you know, I think they're still hoping. Um, I think the temperature got close a few times. 
you know, and those for listening, it's got to be at least minus eight or colder. It uh, mm-hmm. hovered around there a few a few times, I understand, but no, they're still waiting. Um, so uh, hopefully, you know, uh, it, uh, Mother Nature and the temperatures cooperate and we're able to get a, a harvest in. You know, it reminds me of 2002, I think, that was the year that was very similar, yeah. that was very late, you know. But those are the risks. Well, uh- yeah, of course. Uh, Inniskillen, of course, has a long history of making ice wine. Uh, I thought uh, I would start with temperature. You mentioned 8 degrees, but you have a little different thought about uh, when you pick. You actually pick a little colder. Can you explain what temperature you pick at and why? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I prefer around minus 10, you know, nine and minus 9.5, minus 10, maybe minus 11. I just find that, you know what, I get the... I get the um, less volume, but I think the concentration and the flavors and the overall end product is better. So I'm I'm, I'm giving up some volume, but I'm I'm picking it up in quality. And I've been doing ice wine for many years, and that's kind of for me that was kind of the sweet spot for, for for picking. Yeah, speaking of picking, it used to be uh, that uh, it was all hand picked, and people uh, were lined up to pick it. Uh, what can you tell us today about that? Do you still have people who want to pick ice wine, and uh, are there other ways to pick it? You know, I remember those days very well in the Okanagan, where you had to, you picked by hand, and you had to, in, in a hurry, you had to get as many people as you could, and that meant usually family and friends. But nowadays, you know, it's done majorly by machine harvest, and that's actually better because it, you know, it, you don't even have to remove the nets, and the machines actually pick the berries clean. They're frozen anyway, so they're not at all damaged, and it's very, very efficient. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those times that the machine uh, harvesting is actually better because when you've got a, and I'm going to, you know, for the Okanagan, I'm going to guess that they're going to have a very small window. And so, you know, if you've got to get your grapes off and you want to get them off in a hurry, you, you you really can't beat the machine harvest. Uh, it, uh, it does yeah. it quickly, and it gets it quickly and efficiently, and it gets it to the vineyard, or excuse me, from the vineyard to the winery where the winemakers, you know, want to see it. Yeah. Plus, uh, it, this temperature isn't just in the vineyard. They, it has to be that cold at the winery. Is that not? I mean, you can't get to the winery and it's two degrees or something. Well, it gets. If it melts, I mean, in the end, you've got a, you've got a. When you start pressing, you start pressing immediately, and really, you've got to get those bricks because there are regulations uh, on what the bricks has to be. So it's not just a matter of, you know, the temperature can drop to minus eight or minus nine or minus ten. It's got to stay there long enough. And many people ask me, will say, well, it's a little bit of a misconception. They say, well, how long does it have to, you know, take, you know, at minus eight or minus nine or ten or eleven? And my answer is always the same, as long as it takes to get the bricks (laughs) that you're looking for. I mean, you can drop to minus 11, and then you get in there, and you get it to the winery, and it warms up, and you get, uh, you know, you get 31 or 31 bricks or something, and then that's not ice wine. So it's, it's, uh, you got to work with the experience and uh, the risks that are involved. No question about that. I love some of those. Yeah, I love some of the old stories where you be, maybe you call 30 or 40 people and they come out on the first night, and then uh, the second night, 20 people come out, and by the third <laughs> night, there's 10 people coming out. So the machines are a little more reliable today. Uh, no question. They're kind of fun to hear those stories. Well, I used to, I used to entice them with money to, you know, to come back and or to stay. You know, we'd be picking out there. Uh, it was a line 13, I believe, and uh, and it would be getting cold, and I needed these people here to pick, and I'd be saying, listen, here, uh, it'll be an extra $20 in it for you if you stay, all right? 
So uh, right. with, with the machine picker, you know, with the machine picking, you don't have to. You don't have to do that. Yeah. Uh, well, when 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 ice wine started out, of course, Riesling was you know the 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 child. I mean, coming out of Germany, that was the big wine, the the ice vine that was made. Tell us about Canadian varieties and how they have uh, evolved, and maybe the what kind of innovation we've seen coming out of Inniskillen over the years with grape varieties. Yeah, well, you're right. You know, Riesling, I think, is, you know, on a, on a personal level, it's one of, you know, certainly my favorite here. And it's and for the for the, for the people who are the wine uh, connoisseurs, the experts, the pundits, like yourself, it seems that they generally like the Riesling ice wine the best. But overall, Vidal, especially here in, uh, in uh, Niagara region in southern Ontario, and getting also in the B.C. now, it, Vidal is the grape of choice. Uh, there is probably, I could be wrong, but probably about 70% of all ice wine, at least in Ontario, is Vidal. Uh, it mm-hmm. hangs very well. You can crop it very substantially. Here it's got those thick skin, and it's ma- it was made for ice wine. Uh, it, it, uh, it comes with a beautiful product. And as you said, we also have Riesling, and, and we've also done Cab Franc. I mean, Carl... Uh, the late Carl Kaiser realized that he wanted to, you know, as innovators, he wanted to get into some red ice wine. And so Cab Franc was a, was a uh, variety that had fairly thick skin, thicker than the, than say, let's say Merlot or, you know, or Pinot Noir. And, uh, mm-hmm. and it was just across the street from where we were. So I think it was brilliant here. It's, that's, uh, uh, I love what, uh, what Cab Franc can do for, uh, for ice wine, but it has to be, that's one of the group varieties in particular that really benefits from, a good growing season, where Vidal is much more forgiving. It's it's quite amazing that uh, you know when I've asked been asked uh, uh, you know what year is a good year for Vidal. It's it's incredible that every year is very consistent. Whereas the yeah. Cab Franc, you, you benefit from a, a good growing season uh, when you're making ice wine. Yeah, Sorry, Bruce. Ahead. We're speaking with Bruce Nicholson. He's the winemaker at uh, Inneskillen uh, Wines. Go ahead, Bruce. I've experimented. Uh, with uh, Chardonnay, I'm a, I was always a big Chardonnay fan, so I, I did some Chardonnay when he was in a skillin, um in Canadian oak, and I loved the I loved the Cab Franc uh, ice wine so well that I did a uh, a sparkling sparkling Cab Franc well. Oh wow! Well, yeah, and that, that that's that's a it's a difficult task, but I was uh, it was probably probably one of my favorite uh, ice wines of all time was uh, some of the Cab Franc sparkling I've done. So it's very, very risky and very difficult, but in the end, I was very, very pleased with it. Yeah, sparkling ice wines, we see a few of them coming out of Inniskillen. How, how would you describe them to people? Like, uh, do they think, is it a sparkling wine? Is it an ice wine? How, how, how would you describe the, the final product? Well, it's a bit of both, you know, and I, I find it's one of those decadent uh, wow factors, you know. And I, I remember being at a wine tasting, and I, and, and I said, if I had to take one ice wine and, you know, serve it to the, you know, to the Queen of England, for example, I said, this would be the one I would do that to. Or somebody, you know, a dignitary came, and I said, well, here, pick out one ice wine. That's, it really has that wow factor, and I re- remember doing a tasting uh, at the uh, – in London, the London Wine Fair, and I had people coming up to the uh, table and saying, "Listen, we got to try your your sparkling ice wine." I've heard we, we just have to do this. So it's what it's it's really got that wow factor. I mean, the people who don't 
you know, say, well, I don't care for, you know, sweet wines. Well, the, yeah. the effervescence really kind of cuts that sweetness down and, and the perception uh-huh. of sweetness is way down. And it's, it's really, a, it's, it's really quite a fabulous wine. And I mean, if, if you yeah. can try it, if you can find it, it's, it's worth, it's worth uh, buying. It's worth trying for sure. I'm glad to have you on the line today because one of the questions I'm asked most about ice wine is whether one should age it or not. So I'd like to know what you think about that. And I'd also like to know about the bottle sizes and what's going on in there. Like, is it 375, 5 mil? Mm -hmm. Are there full bottles? How does that work? Yeah, well, it's a great question, you know, about uh, ice wine. First of all, if it's a sparkling ice wine, I would consume, you know, earlier than probably any of the others. But that being mm-hmm. said, they do change, and when I, and on a personal level, I love the ice wine in its youth. It just doesn't mean that it can't age, but when you start, when somebody buys a bottle of ice wine, uh, and they still want to sit it down, I, I always say to them, you know what, you've tasted it. If you've tasted it at the winery, or if you've t- been at an event and you enjoyed it, take it and and enjoy it. I mean, it will it will last. I mean, it's uh, I've tasted ice wines that have been 20 and 25 years old. They were they were excellent. So I think it's really a matter of choice, you know, what you prefer. Mm. Uh, personally, I, I like them in their youth. When people take them home, they have a tendency to, you know, to put them on a, you know, hopefully not above, but I've, heard, I've seen it, I've heard it, you know, above the, <laughs> the fridge or down by the furnace or something. Yeah. Like and, they're wait for, and they wait for that special occasion. And then they say, well, this is not what I remember. So I, you know, right. I do encourage yeah, them to, yeah, to try it, to enjoy them in their youth because I think they're 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 fabulous. Well, uh, yeah, a few years. Yeah, do you have a favorite size? Like I see two hundred mils now, three seven five. Uh, what, what would you suggest? Well, the majority, yeah, they are. We have them in majority of them are in three seventy fives. They are in two hundred two hundred mil as well. Those, are, you know, uh, you know, if you're just they're just a, just a smaller size, a little bit convenient. And then, of course, for people who say, "Well, you know what? Maybe I don't want to spend this kind of that kind of money on a 375 or a 200 mil." And we have a 50 mil yeah. too, as well. So that gives them a gives them an idea. And they're great. They were great for you know stocking stuffers at uh, at uh, during Christmas. Christmas. And, you know, sure. Yeah. So they're a little bit of uh, Bruce, you know uh, a selection. Yeah, we're almost out of time, Bruce. I want to ask you one question. If you had to serve something to eat with ice wine do you have a favorite thing you like to serve it with oh, you know what i, I i'm i had uh, scallops seared scallops the chef here did that with, with ice wine i just i thought they were brilliant you know what wow I, i've got so yeah, yeah, rich I've and got, rich uh, yeah you know this texture you're thinking about texture here right i mean i'm yeah. just gonna rattle up a, a few of my favorites here you know uh, blue vein cheese and and vidal i mean i could I could have that all all day here. Yeah. But you know, just okay. being in a, also where the last one is, the Okanagan and Niagara are big on you know uh, fruit, you know apples, peaches like yep. that. Try our riesling with those here. We you know we we have homegrown fruit here, and you try it with a with a nice wine, spectacular. Wow. Bruce Nicholson, thanks so much for joining us today on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Great update on uh, ice wine, and uh, your harvest is finished for now. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, you have nowhere to go, but at least you're, uh, the harvest is in and safe. Thanks for having me, Anthony. Appreciate it. Great. Thank you, Bruce. That was Bruce Nicholson. He's the chief winemaker at Inniskillen Wines in Niagara on the Lake. You're listening to the Food and Wine Radio Network. We'll take a quick break, but we'll be back to wrap up the show 
right after these messages. There's more to come. This is the VC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Hillside Winery is here to serve you, BC. We're offering free shipping across the province on all orders of six bottles or more. Let Hillside deliver direct to your doorstep and give you one less thing to tick off your shopping list. If you're a local, ordering online for pickup is easy and hassle-free. Hillside will happily box up your wines and have them ready and waiting for you. We want to make getting your favorite Hillside wines easy. Find us online at hillsidewinery.ca. Barb Haller, owner of Poplar Grove Winery in the Okanagan. I see world-class wines being grown here. I see the potential for growth in the wine industry, in ecotourism, in everything that the Valley has to offer. And on her winery. It is the best job in the world. I'm in the sunshine all the time. I'm looking out over the lake. There's the birds. There's the crew. Poplar Grove, available at private fine wine stores. Join the wine club at poplargrove.ca. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. Casey is on assignment this week. <clears throat> we want to wrap up the show today with a few uh, Thoughts about Valentine's Day uh, that you can consider. It's a friendly reminder for some of you guys out there. You still have time to get it together if you're planning an at-home experience. Uh, Ladies, too. Uh, And I thought I would reach out to Anissa Hetherington, our uh, talented producer. Anissa, are you a Valentine's Day uh, freak? I don't like going out on Valentine's (laughs) Day. I feel bad saying that, but I prefer staying in. You like staying in. I do. Okay. Well, I've got something for you right off the bat called a virtual Valentine's Soiree on Friday, February 12th. And this is coming out of uh, Black Hills Estate Winery. Uh, what It runs from 6 to 8 p.m. And what you do is you order uh, three bottles of wine. The cost is $115. Uh, some of the money is going to go towards... Uh, the British Columbia Hospitality Foundation to help uh, workers in the industry in need. Uh, But they've got some special guests. One guy, do you know a guy named Jason Priestley? Oh, do I ever. 90210. (laughs) I I watched the original. (laughs) I knew you watched that show. (laughs) Yeah, so Jason Priestley, who was an early investor, he's going to talk about the history and folklore at Black Hills. And then... uh, He's got some pals coming along, including uh, the Bare Naked Ladies co-founder, Stephen Page, who will be uh, playing and entertaining in a tribute group. I don't know them. Do you know ABBA Arrival? I don't, but I do. I bump the ABBA quite often. To <laughs> yeah, there you go. So all that's happening at Black Hills, folks, and uh, that's uh, something you can uh, check out. 
just go to Black Hills Estate Winery website and uh, maybe order something for that. Mission Hills got some interesting stuff. What I like is you can order a dinner with estate-made ingredients from uh, Mission Hill. It includes uh, chocolates. There's a, there's a truffle honey appetizer with a wheel of brie and olive oil crackers. Uh, the main course looks delicious. Uh, how about pasta sugo all arrabbiata? Do you like that kind of pasta? I eat a little bit too much pasta, so this might be the one I'm going to go with. Yeah. All right. And for dessert, a roasted fruit and Tahitian vanilla filling, a crumbled topping, and uh, karat artis- artisanal chocolate bars uh, that are becoming famous in the Okanagan Valley. Along with that, uh, they're going to send you a bottle of the 2018 Reserve Shiraz and the 2019 Terroir Collection Viognier and two embossed Riedel glasses from Mission Hill. So that sounds like kind of a cool night, uh, and it's all done for you. You can you can uh, do all that online, of course, at Mission Hill Family Estate uh, Winery. Uh, Kalmana Estate, more chocolates and wine. Uh, they have something available. It's $89, and they have some dinner, reser- or dinner ideas for you, so you get... Uh, a couple of great wines. They're offering up their Saignet, which is a uh, rosé wine. They want you to pair that with spot prawns. Hypothesis, their big red blend works with a Cash Creek ribeye steak. And their number five Sousser Riesling uh, to go with a favorite blue cheese or handcrafted chocolates, which people seem to like. Are you a chocolate fan, Anissa? I love chocolate. Is it bad to say I like white chocolate, though, Tony? Do we not talk about <laughs> no, white chocolate? It's not. No, it's never bad to say what you like. In fact, it's much more efficient to say what you like than, you know, leave people guessing. I like white chocolate, too. On Uh, occasion. It's a different animal than dark. Uh, Casey could tell us all about uh, the differences, but I can go either way. Uh, You know, I have this thing about chocolate and wine, so I love chocolate with wine if it's your wine, Mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Okay, what else have we got going on? Uh, for people, actually, for our listeners who are living in the Okanagan, Phantom Creek is hosting uh, a bunch of uh, gourmet dine-in dinners. All uh, protocols are in place throughout the month of February, but they have a special menu for Valentine's Day on Saturday, February 13th, and Sunday, February 14th. And it sounds pretty good. Uh, you're going to start, it's going to be a four-course wine-paired dinner with mushroom risotto, bison tenderloin, uh, as the main uh, choices in there, and of course uh, starters and dessert. All that starts at 5:30 p.m. Priced at 185, and you can also reserve that online at Phantom Creek Estate in town. Uh, you can do this now, Anissa. How about the Fairmont Hotel? Have you ever been in Notch Eight? I have actually. This one looks great to me too. Yeah, they've got a Valentine's Day dinner to go. Uh, it's 135 dollars for to serve two people, so it's pretty uh, cost effective. Soup and salad to start, braised short rib or confit duck leg. Which would you take, Anissa, the ribs or the duck leg? I'm a rib girl, so I'm going to go with the rib. You're a rib girl. Okay, and a heart-shaped red velvet cake. Uh, order by Feb 10, and they'll deliver it uh, between 10 and 4. Or you can pick it up, uh, pardon me, on Sunday, Valentine's Day, February 14th. So that that's something cool. Uh, one of my favorite places to dine is at Province Marina Side. Uh, where Chef John Francis and Sheldon have offered a four-course heat-and-eat menu for two. So I like that. You can take it home, and in just 30 to 45 minutes, uh, it's ready to go. Uh, how does this sound? Does this sound old-fashioned? Classic prawn cocktail, crab and shrimp cakes, roasted sable fish, and minyardis. I think that sounds fantastic. You can't go wrong with seafood. 
No, you can't. And uh, a little rosé, a little sparkling wine, maybe sparkling rosé. Uh, you can place online orders there until Feb 10, and then uh, you have to pick it up on the 14th before 5 o'clock. Just a few of the things you can do. Uh, now, lastly, before we go, uh, this weekend in the Vancouver Sun, I have a list of some terrific uh, rosé wines for people that they can uh, pick up in BC liquor stores. And then next week, the day before New Year's, I'm going to be featuring rosé sparkling wines. Uh, all different price ranges, all available in the store. So uh, have a look at those in this weekend's Vancouver Sun and next weekend's Vancouver Sun. Uh, have, do you have plans, Anissa? I have plans to be at home this weekend, <laughs> uh, especially for Valentine's. Oh, yeah? My plans are usually at home, but it's always nice to treat yourself and do a little something nicer, something more fancy. Hey, just before we go, a shout-out to Kamloops. Thanks for listening to the BC Food & Wine Radio Network on the mighty radio NL610 AM. I want to point out that Le Petit Chat, a fantastic little rosé available for fourteen ninety nine, is in Kamloops BCLDB stores, the one on Tranquil Road in Kamloops. I hope I got that right. Uh, drop by and pick it up for Valentine's Day. It's a fantastic value. That's it for today's show. I'm Anthony Gismondi with Casey Wilson saying have a great weekend. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Save-On Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.